Hey, everybody, and welcome to another True Stories from Tinseltown. And I have a wonderful guest for you today, and he is the author, Dan Van Nesty, and he has written fabulous books. I love this book, The Magnificent Heel, The Life and Films of Ricardo Cortez, also known as Jacob Krantz. Great book, and I hope you come on to discuss it with me. Helen, 12 Trees, I didn't even know that. Got to read it. But today, Dan is going to discuss with us, they could have been contenders. So why don't you give us um, a little overview of what your book's about? And why did you choose these, they could have been contenders? Well, thank you, Rafe. I appreciate being here with you. Um, As you said, my new book is They Could Have Been Contenders. Uh, The subtitle is 12 Actors Who Should Have Become Cinematic Superstars. Got a long title there. Um, It's published by the great folks at Bear Manor Media, who've done all my books, and they're doing some wonderful classic and vintage entertainment books uh, about all kinds of topics. But anyway, this particular book consists, basically consists, of 12 profiles of talented, um, ambitious, determined young actors from very diverse backgrounds. Some came from great wealth, some came from dire poverty. And they came to Hollywood around the same time chasing a dream of becoming a major star like so many others. Uh, And despite the enormous odds stacked against them, they actually beat the odds. And they triumphed over their strong competition. And not only did they become movie actors, pairing in films, but they won major studio contracts. Which is huge. which is a huge deal because they're, you know, they weren't minor studios. These people all worked from major studios. MGM, Fox, oh, Paramount, right? right, Paramount, yes. Um, And and the, the studios began their careers by putting them in really good films. And they won a claim. They, they were just, it was amazing achievement, and they all seemed on the precipice, yes. on the verge of becoming what they had set out to do, achieving their wildest dream, and and uh, you know moving up to the top of the so-called ladder of success when things began to go wrong. With all of them. It's amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a great Um, book for everybody. I I highly recommend. uh, Thank you so much. Um, And despite despite what they had achieved, um, today some of these people are not particularly well known. But they, you know, I do want to say, you know, no failures in this book. And they all went on, they all continued to work, bless their hearts. They all continued to work, and they continued to achieve. Many of them were demoted into B-movies, which, you know, were not seen by the number of people uh, 
as much as the A's were. But but they all continue to contribute. And what this book, I try to do for this book, is analyze each of their careers to um, find out what went right and what went wrong and to understand why they did not become big stars and also to tip my hat at these wonderful people these that la- you know left a lasting legacy they they were in a number of, you know some of them made over a hundred films wow and and draw attention and inspire people to check out these people's work because it's very special oh i am when, I'm going to definitely. There's a bunch of movies oh, I that I that you talked about, and I can't wait to watch them. One more thing I want to mention um, is that one, what I think makes these profiles extra special is the fact I actually interviewed six of the people themselves. I was so jealous. Helped, oh, my God. <laughs> and they helped me tell their Sorry, Grace. I was so honored by that. You just cannot imagine um, what a thrill it was to actually talk to, the, to them. And I actually became friends with a few of them. And of the six that I did not interview that had passed away prior to me writing the profile, mm-hmm. um, I interviewed people that knew them. I did original interviews with their children. Mm-hmm. Or, or people, co-workers, or, or people, friends that knew them. So I, I do think that, that makes these stories a little bit more interesting. Very much so. Um, because you have the, you know, the story from the proverbial horse's mouth. <laughs> you're, yeah. You're hearing it from them. And so, they, they give up a lot of juicy stuff, some of them. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. yeah. they were there. Yeah, you, you remember the story of Gene Parker told about John Barrymore? That oh my God, <laughs> that's a good one. That, one. that was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. Yes. Um, so, you want to? Uh, do you want me to mention the twelve, or do you want to talk about the the people you wrote about? Um, it's up to you. It's up to you. Um, I've got the list here. Just let me grab my list here because I seem to all. When I'm trying to rattle these off, I always seem to forget one. Um, uh, the, the, the list is in alphabetical order: Nancy Carroll, Gloria Dixon, Claire Dodd, Richard Green, John Hodiak, Marion Marsh, Karen Morley. Edward Norris, Gene Parker, Paula Raymond, Zachary Scott, and Glory Stewart. There we go. And what a job you did. I have to admit that I did not know a couple of them, but then yes. when you put their filmography together, I'm like, oh my goodness, of course I know this person. Yes, I know this Maybe. person. And two of them were in one of the same movies, which you talk about, and it's one of the most amazing. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> they that... actually appear together. And, you know, some of these people, you know, they knew each other. Uh, a couple of the, the women were, 
were um, Wampus Baby Stars. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Uh, that, yes. <laughs> the, the pre-code, they had this, well, we won't go into it, but but anyway, they, they were uh, 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 Wampus, they called themselves Wampus Sisters together. And uh, so that was cool, and they knew each other, and they admired each other. Amazing. So... They were anyway. all hard-working dames, man, and all these guys. Oh, you know, you, man. Yeah. That doesn't have, you know, it is work. It's not all play. And they oh, really yeah. work so hard. And um, I really enjoyed all the profiles. Uh, yeah, they worked hard. They loved what they did. You know, they all, um, you know, were interested yeah, or they wouldn't. They would have packed when, when their careers went south. I think they would have packed up and went home. And none of them did. They all stuck it out. Or and, a couple um, of them died. Holy heartbreak! Yeah, a couple of them died very tragically. Yes. But, uh, yes, but they. You know, they. She was still working Gloria Dixon when she when she died. She was still trying to make it in the movies again. Isn't she that amazing? I love that. And Gloria Stewart, she just, you know, she got that big, uh, she was in um, the Titanic, which, yes. she, how old was she, 86 well, at the time? And she was just yes, like, I'm, I'm going to make I, that comeback. I, she was making her comeback. I know. You know, the, the thing that I admired about Gloria, and I had a great good fortune to meet her, and, uh, and then we did the interview on the telephone later. But she was, at the time, that I did the interview, she was 96 years old. Wow. And she was sharp as a pack. She was just as sharp as a pack and, and still funny and just charming. She was a charming character. But, but anyway, what I admired most about her was um, the fact that she never, never gave up. I know. I love that. I thought that was so great. At any age, she and a lot of these people were doing it. They're in 60s, 70s. They're still, I'm not giving up. Good for you. Yeah, it's just crazy. You know, and she had so many, if you read, you know, when you read uh, her profile, she had so many things that happened, and she was discouraged. Even her husband was discouraging to her. And, And yet, she never gave up that dream. And to me, that's the greatest, she was the greatest inspiration of all of the people because, because she kept going and she kept achieving. She kept, kept creating. And, and, you know, so many nowadays, we kind of put old people in a box and say, well, their life is over. Oh, you know, yes. oh, that's it. You know, go away. You know, go, you know, you know, we love you, but. You know, we don't want to look uh, at you anymore. Get lost, right? <laughs> I know that's sad, isn't it? Yes. But but, uh, but Gloria, uh, you know, she proved, you know, as she said, I achieved my one my career dream, my movie dream, at the age of eighty six. And so it's never too late. Well, it's that's what I try to late. tell people too, she because proved. I believe in that a hundred percent. Yes, and she she was just living proof of that. But what a what a you know a charming person, and uh, I I just never forget her. And she lived to be a hundred years old. Good for her. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys will remember her, of course, from my Titanic. But right, uh, she did um, that wonderful 
um, scary movie. Yes, she did a couple scary ones. She did uh, uh, The Old Dark House. I love that early movie. Early on, and she was just a young girl, beautiful. She Ugh. was a beautiful girl. And when she started out, she was in the stage, and, and she had this thing happen to her. She, she was fought over by two studios when she first started. And um, uh, she was an up-and-coming stage actress out in L.A., and, and uh, the, uh, a couple talent scouts came to her one performance, and they both claimed her um, uh, as contract player. And it's the weirdest story, because what happened is, is they both kept fighting over her. She was gorgeous. She could act. She, you know, she really was what they wanted. She was very sophisticated, and she was not old. I mean, she was early 20s, right? Yeah, she was very early 20s, gorgeous. Yes. Beautiful woman. But anyway, uh, both Universal Studios and Paramount fought over her. And actually, it finally went before the motion picture board, which was run by a guy by the name of Will Hayes, and you may remember him, too, because he's known as for being the, the, the father of the Hayes Code. Oh, yes. You know, the, the, no more pre-code, uh, guys. you got to pay yeah, for your yeah, sins. Yeah, you got to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yes. He was com- uh, combating sin. Yes. But anyway, he, he, he did it the site. He ended up uh, uh, solving their problem the scientific way. He flipped a coin. <laughs> and Gloria, Universal Studios won the toss. And, and as Gloria said later, um, that was not to her advantage because Paramount was a toxic. And Universal was kind of... They weren't a minor, they weren't a B studio, but they weren't a top studio at that time either. And, and so, uh, you know, they won the toss, but they did promise that they were going to put her in wonderful films. And they started relatively well by putting her in the old dark house. And then, then, um, she followed up, uh, with a couple other, uh, four related, uh, films. Um, uh, she was in another whale by James Whale, uh, a, a film called Kiss Before the Mirror. Oh, I love that I movie, it. as was. Yeah, seen that? Okay, yes. Yeah. And Nancy yeah. Carroll was in that as well. So, yes, yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And, and you guys would laugh. You got to see it. It's a really good movie. And The Wizard of Oz, <laughs> he plays the, he put in, in, uh, I get his brother and he mixed up. Harry Morgan? Yeah, that was uh, Frank Morgan. Frank Morgan, yes. He pl- he played in some pre-codes, like this dashing right, gent yeah. that people want. Right. You know, and um, he was the husband of of, of Miss Carol. And, right. And uh, Gloria right. has such a small part, but she, she really she really made impact. She didn't really she even did, talk. She, she, you look at her and you're like, wow. Yeah, you know she's, you know she's special. But but what happened is she, you know she she did a few good films. She was a, sort of a leading lady, kind of, as opposed to an actress. 
you know, they, they were putting her in leading lady parts instead of, you know, in giving their really top-notch roles to one of their new contract players, which was a wonderful actress by the name of Margaret Sullivan. They signed her, and uh, they started giving her glorious parts. And Lori was, you know, even though she was still appearing in, in some good films, but she wasn't having the impact that she had hoped she would have. Can I ask so you this? Ended- I'm sorry. Go on. Go ahead. I can- she was married, and she and her husband, in your book you mentioned, that they were sort of bohemian, and they embraced sort right. of a bohemian lifestyle. Yeah. Was it known, yeah. because they also believed in open marriage, that they had like a... Yes. Did, yeah. was that, did that, was that known in Hollywood, or was that just something yeah. that you wrote about in your book? No, it was known. It was known, and she made no bones about it, hmm. and it was kind of... As you might guess, it was controversial. I would imagine, big time. Yeah, and yeah, and um, he ended up. Uh, they, you know, that marriage did not last very long, uh, and he ended up marrying this really young girl. I think she was fourteen. Or a Mexican 16. thirteen, right? He went down to Mexico and <laughs> yeah, married a thirteen-year-old. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, 13 Louise! Years old. I know. Yeah, he was. You know, uh, Gloria, she liked, you know, she wasn't a rebel like maybe Karen Morley was a rebel. I love but, her. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, Gloria liked to be rebellious, and she liked to, you know, to go against what, you know, uh, people, the expectations that people had of, um, you know, what movie stars ought to be like, and, and she liked to you know, mix it up a little bit. She also was in The Invisible Man with Claude Rains, and he's one of my favorite yeah. actors. And I had his yeah. daughter, Jessica, on twice. She's fabulous. Cool. Down, she's wonderful, oh, cool. down to earth, just great. And um, yeah. Gloria cool. light, respected him, but she said that he kept getting in her way. I'm like, yeah. he's invisible. I, I don't even remember. <laughs> I was a little shocked with that one. <laughs> I mean, I was a little shocked that she didn't, you know, because everybody just loves Claude Rains as I do. You know, it was just magnificent. The cat's meow. So, Five nominations, yeah, really, never won, and he should have. Yeah, I mean, he was. Yeah, he should have won an Oscar for sure several times. But, yeah, she didn't have a good experience with him. And I remember her saying something about, I wonder how Betty Davis uh, handled him, <laughs> or something like that. She you handled know, him quite well, and they were very yeah. good friends. And oh, they, it, yeah. And they did wonderful films together. I mean, they were both, they respected each other. So I don't believe there was any of this upstage business with either of them, because yeah. when they acted together, they both had very strong roles. And, um, yeah, so I... I believe Betty did just fine with Claude. And, and and you think about it, this wasn't The Invisible Man, Claude's first film for the United States for, and he had this wonderful voice that carried him oh, through because we didn't the see him, best, basically. Absolute, absolute best voice <laughs> of, of one of the best of all time. And, and I think perhaps his uh, relationship with Gloria 
Um, uh, you know, she was kind of young at that point. I think that was 32, 31 or yeah. 32. And, uh, and maybe he didn't really, of course, he was rather young at that point, too. But, but you know, perhaps he didn't respect her like he would have uh, Betty Davis. You know, like, I, I don't really know why that was so, but I was surprised that, that, um, that he, you know, apparently treated her, according to her, uh, like that. So, well, yeah, he, that she was, said he tried to upstage her, but I mean, he right. wasn't visible. Ninety-five percent of the movie, so he had to be not so much. Right, it yeah. wasn't about her. She she really didn't have right. a big part, and it was about no. Claude. So, you know, yeah, it certainly was. Um, isn't that isn't that a great movie? Incidentally, too, it's just the best. I love the Invisible Man. It's just so good. Oh, I love it's it just, too. It, it holds up so well after all of these years. It's a one. Oh, so many of these films hold up. Can we talk about? You mentioned one of the women I really, really like is Karen Morley, and yeah. she was. Uh, I thought she was fabulous, and maybe you guys oh. will remember her mostly as Poppy in Scarface right. with um, right. what's that good guy? Paul right. Paul and she and played Rapp. as Maul, yes, and right. Anne Dvorak, and that was her favorite role, right? Yes, it was her favorite role. I'm a little surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised about that in a way, in my own way. Um, I had the greatest of good fortune to um, interview Karen Morley several times over wow. the years. And uh, uh, the first interviews, we knew each other through a casting agent. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know who Marvin Page was. Mm-hmm. You know Marvin Page? But anyway, Marvin Page was the guy with, I called him the guy with the Rolodex, because he knew everyone, and he was everybody's pal, and he cast them in a bunch of these, like, biographies and things and doing voice or, or making comments about particular, uh, uh, you know, uh, these documentaries about particular actors. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he knew Karen Wally very well over the years. And anyway, he's, he's the one that actually introduced me to her. And I met her in Los Angeles at one of the con- film conventions. And um, Karen Wally was... Uh, a very opinionated person, and she wasn't easy to get to know. But you know something, Grace? What? I hate to brag, but she liked me. <laughs> she really liked me. Well, <laughs> that's not bragging. That's just saying that she... <laughs> anyway. But she went through a lot of stuff in her life oh, there. So really I can did. imagine her being wary and, because of some yeah. of the things she went through. You know what movie yeah. I find fascinating that she did? Gabriel over the White House. That is one of the weirdest Gabriel. movies yeah, I've ever seen. Yes. And she talked about working with Walter Houston. You know, she told me about that. It's in the book. Um, uh, yeah, she played his secretary, his trusty secretary. And kind film. of slash chick. Yeah, slash chick. Booty call, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you want to call she, it. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um uh, yeah, she. It's a very interesting. Uh, 
unusual movie. Very. There's nothing like it. And, you know, little Jean Parker was in that, too. You know, she had a little role in that. Where was she in that? Well, she had... I, oh. I'm not sure exactly. Wasn't I, she I, the, I, the the union guy's daughter? I think so. Yeah. She, I, I would have to, to go back. Some of these, I, I didn't watch everybody's films. When I did these profiles, some of these profiles were done many years ago. And mm-hmm. I watched everyone's films prior to doing that. So I had it all fresh in my mind. But some of the minor performances, somebody will ask me, well, what did so-and-so do in that film? And I I won't always know because I've forgotten. Of course, you, know, you can't exactly. remember everything. I can't remember at all. But yeah, yeah, they were in that movie together. But it's a very unusual uh, film. She also did, Karen did uh, a film with the Barrymore Brothers <gasps> called Arsene Lupin. And Turner runs that all the time. And you, if you love her, you got to check out Arsene I have never yeah. seen that. I know they play it a lot. I have to watch it. You have to see that. But but Karen was an extremely elegant, sophisticated, intelligent person, and she was also very political. And um, as you might guess, she was a real, genuine rebel. And um, as you might guess... When she signed up with MGM, they loved her work. They were all really crazy about her. Yeah, she did dinner at 8 as well. She did that, playing the wife of uh, the doctor who was having a flingy ding-ding with Gene Harlow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Louis B. Mayer um, was a big fan of hers, but Louis B. Mayer demanded that you do... You live your life the way Louis B. Mayer wanted you to live it. Yes. And Karen was not interested in that from the very beginning. And she was rebelling almost from the outset. And and she, you know, he told her, uh, you know, you cannot get married. We don't want you to get married. So what did she do? She went out and got married. She married a director, Charles Fedor. And, um, uh, and, 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 you know, the, he, he told her, you know, you need to cooperate with the press. You need to do the interviews. Well, Karen didn't want to do the interviews. She wasn't interested. She didn't think that was part of her job. Right. She wanted to act. And that, you know, of course, we all know that was part of the mix. You, you know, you had to, you had to, you know, she wasn't, let's put it this way. She wasn't willing to go along to get along. Well, you know, one thing you have to know is when you're doing these movies, you have to promote them, even though she doesn't want to do an interview. It does. Yeah. It is part of what you do. It's it's lovely to say right. I can just act, but no, you really had to do that. It doesn't make yeah. me and, like and, or dislike her. Or I like I her know, very much, but, yes. um, but but you know, she wasn't willing to do. You know, she rebelled against that. She didn't think it was necessary, and of course, that cost her a great deal. And and this enormously talented, deep person. I mean, she could play anything. And she really got, you know, she gave um, the actress Anne Dvorak her start. Did she really? Um, yes. And, you know, of course, she was in Scarface. She yes. Was, she was a, and, and, the sister. Right. She was a sister. And, and um, uh, Howard Hughes, the producers, 
gave Karen Morley. She had her choice of feminine roles. Ah, of Poppy or... She chose Poppy, which I think is quite interesting because I think the other role was the more interesting role. Yes, and much more flashy. it It was. I mean, that that really, I mean, his kind of a natural love for his sister and... You know, she was like, you know, she wanted adventure. She wanted everything. And Poppy was more, you know, the mall. She went from one guy. Yeah, she was the mall, man. Yeah. And um, she was good. I love her. I like her voice. Like you say, she had this really great voice. She had a great voice. Yes, yes. We didn't talk about that. Yeah, it was very unusual. It was, somebody described it as, it's like a snag in silk. Isn't that the coolest thing? That is. It's like a, like a snag and silk, her voice. And she had, a, you know, that very unique voice. But she kept working, and, um, uh, you know, she was eventually, you know, she left MGM because <laughs> she had a baby. They didn't want her to have a child either. And and uh, uh, she kept defying them, and uh, uh, she ended up uh, uh, making... You know, a lot of lesser films. And then, of course, as we know, uh, she got, you know, she was involved in politics all through that. And then she ran afoul of the House on American Activities Committee. Yes. And she was brought to testify. She was just, you know, I, I just so admire her courage to go through that. And um, when I was writing this book, when I knew I was going to interview her, because I had interviewed her about specific topics before, but when I learned I would interview her about her life, I wanted, I knew she was blacklisted. Most people that know her may think about that, you know, and, and I wanted to know really what I was talking about, about that period. So I did a lot of reading about that prior to doing the interview. And I learned a lot. I read it, read books from all different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So when we did that interview, I knew what I was talking about. And I, I ended up using some of the things I learned in the article itself to give people a background of what situation she was placed in. So you, you understood where she was at in both her career you know, and her life, and going through that. It was so awful, that period of time. That was was just disgraceful, and and it's just a blight in our history, really. It really, truly was. uh, But she she was undaunted. She was undaunted, and and she ended up, um, you know, she was drummed out of the business. She was blacklisted. She would not snitch. On anybody, but she didn't. She up take the uh, take the Fifth Amendment. Yes, Fifth yes. Amendment. And and she went back to New York. Uh, never gave up. Continued working in, in, in on the stage, and and to top it off, Grace, you're going to appreciate this. And she ran for governor of New York. I never knew that. <laughs> no. Yeah, she got. She got like fifty thousand votes. Good for her. Like a, a minor party, but but man, she you know she was committed. She was committed. She was. But uh, 
But they they really did uh, put the kibosh on her career. I did, and I, I couldn't believe it was her. They did this horrible remake of M <laughs> with David yeah, Wayne yeah, starring in, there, yeah. in the um, in the Peter Lorre part, and she played the mother of I think the child right. that was killed. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She had a brief role. Yeah, very yeah. small part, and I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Unless you want to see her yeah. for a little minute. Because David yeah. Wayne, although I love him as an actor, and I thought he did very oh, well in comedy, yeah. I thought he was great. And he could do dramatic yeah. roles as well. But this, no. Yeah, it, I, just, I found yeah, it. Yeah, it doesn't. Yuck. It, it doesn't compare to the early version. Not and, at all. And, you know, she was, she was going through the that whole period that, you know, with the Hugh Act that came a couple of years later after that was made, but she was going through all of that uh, at the time, and it was just so ugly and such a mess for everybody uh, involved. I believe it helped kill. Well, he had a bad heart, but I think it helped uh, kill John Garfield. Oh yeah, <laughs> because yes. he was supposed you know, to it, go back and testify again, and they were just really piling it I on know. this poor guy. Yeah, well. Yeah, and uh, and the, the weird thing that was that that there was very little communist influence in Hollywood. It was the communist influence that there was any was in Washington. It was not in it was not in Hollywood. And and what they they were doing the the committee members they wanted to get the publicity of hobnobbing, you know, with movie stars and mm. you know, they would get their name and and they ruined so many people's lives. It was so destructive. It was just I don't you know, know how people could live like that. And then like, I know. How you know, do you live with it? And then when you know of these guys were friendly witnesses, you know, like Robert Taylor and, and things like that, you kinda go, geez, it kinda makes for me, look at him in a different way, although right, I do enjoy sad. some of his movies, I know, but yeah. it, it's just like, yuck. So, yeah, I, yeah there were certain people that really went out of their way. You know, if you get caught up and you get scared, and I, I, you know, I, I try to separate, personally, I try to separate people's politics from their performances. Oh, I agree, you know, 100%. Yeah, I think you almost have to. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, there were certain people, after reading all that, you know, it's pretty hard to to forgive certain people. I just, you know, it's, it, 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 I pretty much do, but, you know, I, I think about it. You know, and when I see them, I think, mm, that was not their greatest moment, that's for sure. No. So, 